Good evening. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me on the Private Property Podcast. I am your host, Sibs Matiela, and we are coming to you live and direct from the property show happening in Santon, Johannesburg. Listen, if you couldn't make it to the show, we have done you a massive favor and collected all of the experts from the show and brought them one by one, one by one, one by one onto the podcast. Joining me in studio right now, actually, is Mr. Shiliboy Mutiba, who is the Director and Head of Tax at Intergen and also at EduTex ZA. Is that correct? Tax Edu ZA. Tax Edu ZA. How yes, are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. That's good. We've brought you here to talk about something called Capital Gains Tax. Yes. What is it? Okay. So a Capital Gain Tax basically is a tax that you will be able to have to pay having disposed an assets right by the way it's not a standalone tax uh-huh so it's part of income tax so when you sell a property right let's say property is 500 mm. and you bought it for 250 yeah well i hope i wish there was property that worth even 500. me i'm so excited i want you to tell me where this property is because i'm going to go buy it right now <laughs> we try to simplify it Five. so then the capital gain is true 250 mm. in that so now sars has to say i want to tax you on that 250 however it get taxed differently so it doesn't get taxed 100 of it mm. so if let's say for instance now you are selling that property and you own it in your name then only 80 only 40 percent of it is going to be taxed so which means we're going to say 40 percent of that 250 and then we add it to your taxable income or income for that matter then the remaining balance is the one that's going to be taxed why am i being taxed because you are being taxed on any form of income that you receive or is accrued to you as a taxpayer okay. so like any other form of income that you generate as a taxpayer you have to be taxed on it and of course we need money as government we need money as a country. So it's another way. If you are generating money out there, then you're going to have to contribute to the tax base. In, including selling my house now. Yes, because it's correct. an income money coming into me. Then SARS goes, oh, not but, so fast. But the beauty with that is that if, for instance, right now, you are selling your own primary residence, mm. then there's a little bit of benefits. Of course, SARS is not that bad. Okay. Then there's that two million. We call it primary a residence exclusion so which means that you can actually make money capital gain right mm -hmm. up to two million that you're not going to be taxed on so which is good i mean how many most of us our primary houses never really make, even if we sell them they never yeah. really make that two million yeah. capital which is good so the chances are most people actually when they sell these primary residences they typically don't end up paying tax because they never really make that two million unless again if for instance you stayed in a particular property mm. let's say for five years and then you rent it out for next five years then however that two million exclusion is only going to be applicable only in those five years where you were living there as it was your primary residence you. not when you were earning income from rental from renting out that property exactly so then we're gonna have to apportion that capital gain so we're going to say let's say property now we're going up mm. so let's say the property was two million yeah you sold for two million you bought it for one million then we've got a capital gain of a million yes then we're going to say no you six you stayed in it for five years however you owned it for 10 years you're selling this property mm. remember you stayed in this particular property for five years for, for five years and now 
you rented it out for five, five years. years. All in all, you owned it for 10, ten years. The primary residence exclusion is only applicable for the years that you stayed in. Yes. Then we need to apportion the capital gain for the period that relates to the time you were staying in. The five is, years. Yes. Then we're going to say five over 10 yeah. times the million that you made. Remember we said we we sold it for two million. Two million, but, but we I bought, bought it for one million. Exactly. Okay. Then then only then we'll exclude that 500,000. Then the other 500,000, unfortunately, then we need to apply that inclusional rate. Remember I said the, 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 the beauty about capital gains that doesn't get taxed at 100%, which by the way, Another, I might be digressive, but there's a debate around the issue of wealth tax. But what is capital gain? Isn't it wealth? So we're more likely going to see in future, probably, I'm not being a prophet, that we're seeing that capital gain tax being taxed at 100% instead of this inclusion rate of 40%, 80% that we see with companies. Why? Because the government needs because, more money. Yes, because there's a debate around uh, that we need to uh, collect more money and there's a need for introduction of of wealth tax and there's a lot of lot of school of thoughts to say what does this type of shape of wealth tax looks like so and there will be certain gaps that we were probably going to start seeing that we need to close these gaps and things like this like primary residence exclusion of two million we might find that being taken away mm. i don't know but i'm just saying if i was i had an ear of minister probably these will be some of the things to say minister but why don't you consider closing this type of gaps but what the digressive so now that particular 500,000 will apply the inclusional rate for mm. individual is 40%, companies is 80% and the trust, unless it's a special trust. Special trusts are similar to the natural person. Okay. Now, then we take 40% multiplied by 500. I think everyone can do the maths. And then we no, include... No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that calculation. <laughs> and then from there, the, the, the answer then we included in the gross income as part of uh, the taxable income with other incomes, right? Um, I mean, it's added into income, not gross income. Yes. It's added into income. Which and then, will then calculate, and then we get the line items at the end there that is called taxable income. Yes. Then we take that line item, and then we apply your particular marginal tax rate at that particular time. Shirley Boy, would you say South Africans are a tax-compliant people? It's actually a very interesting question because... In one of the Judge Davis recommendation, because there was an exercise that was done by Judge Davis where they needed to review the tax system. And because or when this debate of introduction of wealth tax was actually started, and SARS had to look and National Treasury had to look in the holistic of the tax system to say what could be done to actually to increase even the collection of tax. Mm. A lot of recommendations were done. That's why we saw increase in terms of estate duty from 20% to 25% if your wealth is about over 20, uh, over 30 million. Mm. So there's that, right? Now, one of the things that was actually debated over the years after that report was issued to say, what could be done actually to ensure that people comply of course there's a debate school of thought that certain people don't comply especially so-called the wealthiest the top one person mm. there's an argument that they don't comply and and one of the and they hide their money in other strange places i wouldn't say they hide the money but they are just have facts and scholars and the tax experts who are able to play around the books find the loopholes exactly so now one of the things that or rather uh, leverage lack of capacity because one of the things was in order to take and, and ensure that the taxpayers actually comply, 
um, uh, SARS needed to capacitate themselves. And if you notice in the last 24 months or so, SARS have been going on a drive to actually capacitate the institution mm. where they invested a lot on IT. These days, things that, I mean, you probably saw if you are only any sort of an income salary alone, you are auto-assessed and then yes. immediately then you see money in your bank account or the money going out because yeah. you owe SARS. So those are some of the initiatives they've done to ensure that there's a high level of test compliance. Do we see that happening? Actually, yes, we saw that happening, that more and more people are compliant. But I think then the worries around the top and the net wealthy, and that saw us actually seeing SARS actually introducing, uh, uh, re-establishing the high net worth division, where mm. they appointed a head of that to say, now we're going to zoom in into the, world, 1%. the wealthiest to ensure that they are actually yes. complying. And we saw even the Minister of Finance during the budget speech introducing to say, we're going to actually start requiring that the wealthy, the top, needs to disclose certain assets to SARS in a particular format. Mm. So that is another way of ensuring that the taxpayers actually comply. What are the most common mistakes people make when it comes to tax compliance and property? Record keeping. I cannot emphasize that. I mean, I'll give you an example. You buy property right now. You stay in it, you're excited, flooding. Okay, well done, congrats. Key, good. But then one of the mistakes is that people down the line, they don't actually keep the records of improvements they make in their house. Of course, because I'm just renovating. Yes. I'm you, redoing you my kitchen. I'm redoing my bathroom. But I'm not going to write that down anyway and say, this was the contractor. This is how much it cost at this time. Exactly. And you're going to complain later on. Remember, we said it, that how are you going to calculate your capital gain? Yes. It's what you sold for versus base cost. What is base cost? Base cost is original acquisition cost including those improvements that you've made mm. in that particular property for the next 10 years. Mm. So now that is the biggest mistake that we see in mostly property investors, not keeping those invoices because you cannot come and deduct and cannot come and argue and say, I did a, yeah, you did a roofing, well done. But where are the supporting documents? Mm. We understand. Mm. So there's that element that I've seen with property. And I always say, listen, once you get an invoice from a contractor, take the invoice, put it on a Google Drive. It's on a cloud like whatever cloud system you use yes. put it out there and then you're good then you can always go and retrieve that information 10 years down the line when you're going to sell that particular property then you minimize your taxes because if you don't have records SARS is not gonna budge got you hmm. listen we spoke about loopholes loopholes earlier what are some of the loopholes that property investors can take advantage of with regards <laughs> to tax compliance uh, but again loopholes it might be starting with record keeping yeah because then you will be able to do an efficient tax planning if you've got a good record keeping i think also the best way to actually leverage certain tax provisions that are out there that allows you it's actually understanding and knowing why you're investing in that let me give you an example if for instance there's what we call section 13 sex mm. it's known a lot by Property developers use that a lot to market to say, if you buy five properties that are new, you can get deduction 5% and things like that. But it's how you structure those properties. Mm. If you're going to buy two in your name, three in the company, would you agree with me that you can't get that section? No. So if you consolidate it and make it in one particular investment structure, whether it's in your name or whether it's in a company, but then you will be... Yes. So I think for me, I cannot emphasize enough to say, before you engage yourself in a property deal transaction, speak to the tax experts to say, okay, I'm investing in this deal. My commercial reason for investing in this particular deal is for one, two, three, four, five right mm. then the tax person is going to sit back and say okay i think for tax efficient way let's move it this way 
you understand let me yes. give an example if let's say for instance your purpose is to look after the children would you agree with me that then ideally you want to put this property in a, in a trust so that the money gets distributed to these multiple beneficiaries instead of you with a higher marginal tax rate putting the rental income in your personal name and then only after you pay tax you only then look after the kids mm. so why don't you get the kids with a lower marginal tax rate to be the one getting this money and then pay SARS but they'll pay SARS at the lower marginal tax rate as compared to you so that is sort of a tax planning which you might call it a loopholes but I'm saying is you understanding your context and your commercial reasons and then having nexus together with the tax yeah I've learned so much. Shelly boy, please, we need to talk about this some more. But this is where I have to leave it for now. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for letting me know that when I have children, I must rather put the house in their names so that I pay less tax. Um, everybody, thank you for joining us on this episode. Shelly boy, Mutiba. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another episode live from the Property Show in Santon, Johannesburg. Thank you so much for joining me and good night.